Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mad Men Podcast. My name is Paul, as always. This is John. We have John with us again. John, can I say that your voice is soothing? It's a dulcet tone. Yes. That, that is literally making me nervous. I've been told it's like peanut butter wrapped in velvets. <laughs> have you? Just, just once. Who, and, who and, told you that? But it was weird. I don't, I don't really want to get into it. Uh huh. Um, so let's start the show. Okay, fair enough. So everybody, we're still, uh, we're still knee deep in Madman recapping season two. Uh, this week's episode is the benefactor, and we learned some crucial things uh, in this episode. John, number one, um, Betty said, "No shit." Right? We all know that. Uh, number two, fat jokes. Well, they at least get a laugh from one guy, even if he's not willing to say his name. And number three, Don's special, Don has a special handshake that ladies just can't say no to. That was, that was gross. Was it? But, okay. Yeah, we, we'll get there when we get there. Okay. All right. I, I kind of like the way the uh, show starts out. We're at a commercial shoot. I think this is the first time we've seen... I think this is the first time we've actually seen a live commercial shoot. And we meet a new character. We meet the apparently widely popular and very funny yet obnoxious Jimmy Barrett. I love this guy. He's been in a lot of stuff, the guy who plays Jimmy Barrett here. He has? Yeah, he's in uh, David Lynch movies. And I think he was in uh, Twin oh, Peaks as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. He creeps well, me out. I love it. In this one, he's, he's dressed to the nines, a nice tux, and he's filming a commercial for... Uts, uh, Uts potato chips. Uh, apparently, they're better than nuts, is what the slogan is. Indeed, they and are. His the people in charge of Uts, the owners of Uts, uh, the Shillings, Hunt Shilling and his wife Edith. They come in the back door with uh, what do you call him? Bucktooth Ken Cosgrove. That, we could call that? him Bucktooth Ken Cosgrove. It's more of the way he laughs. Okay, all, all right. I like so, the character. So they, he brings him in the back door. Meanwhile, Freddie Rumpson is passed out, drunk. Um, on would the job. You, would you cut Freddie Rumson some slack, man? No way. All right. I, All he I does like is drink. I, I like tell him. you what, if he does not curb his drinking, it could cost him his job. Hey, oh. Uh, but, <laughs> but, um, so they come in the back and, uh, Barrett, Jimmy does his thing. He pulls down a microphone. He starts just going to town on Edith and how incredibly fat she is. Something about a whale. And the Hindenburg, uh, so it does not go well for her. And they're quickly shuffled out. To their credit, neither um, neither Ken Cosgrove nor uh, uh, our drunk friend Freddie do laugh at that. Well, no, man, your job's just uh, flashed in front of your eyes at that point. Yeah, That's no a kidding. disaster. I mean, yeah, that gonna that that could cause a huge a huge issue all around. But like you said, somebody did laugh. There's always one guy, John. Yeah. And it's never me, I promise. That's why he's operating the boom. Indeed. So we flash back uh, or over, and I think we've already, yeah, we've been at the uh, at the stables before with Betty. Yeah. We're back at the stables again. And uh, the whole stable situation seems to revolve around this one um, kind of uh, uh, not very talented rider. Yes. Guy, whose name is? Arthur Case. Arthur case the uh betty and her newfound horse friend I'm sorry. we actually learned her name this episode we Which didn't get it last time sarah beth carson sarah beth carson i like that name that is a that is a well-to-do name john she she's well-to-do indeed yes. uh she, her her and betty seem to have kind of a little fascination with this guy he's he's young and attractive and he's you know, he's not any good, so he's got that trainable aspect to him that they find uh, exciting. And let me tell you, he is indeed trained by his um, fiancée, who we also get to meet in this episode. The lovely Miss Tara Montague. Tara, that also is a very well-to-do name. Very. Tara Montague. He even wow. says that later on in the show. Oh, yeah, he talks about how rich she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. But Betty gets like a, a very wonderful surprise. She finds out that she'll have him all to herself this coming Saturday. As Sarah Beth Carson will be busy at a ballet recital. With her fat daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it 
which was amusing. I don't know why that stuff is funny. I mean, obviously it's awful, but it's funny every time, man. All right. Then we move on to the storyline, which is kind of like whatever. But it's well, it's a big it's a big thing for uh, for Crane. He uh, accidentally gets um, Cosgrove's paycheck and he can't help himself but open it. Or does he open it completely by accident? No, no. Okay, okay. So he can't help himself but open it. He opens it. He sees that Ken Cosgrove is making $200 more a week. Is Uh, that right? No, I think he's making $100 more a week. Well, either way, that's a lot of money. And and it upsets our friend Harry Crane. As as it would. I mean, I would imagine most people who feel like they have a comparable job and are getting paid 30% less would be... A little miffed. A little miffed. I don't think he does as good as a job as uh, Cosgrove. Let's be honest. Cosgrove is a whiz. He's a business at, whiz, John. At what? Charming. What is he? Charming. Being is it, charming. Being, a, being tall. You got his masters in charm. Not raping as much. All right. That's worth something. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and this storyline kind of goes on uh, throughout the episode. Um, he... Uh, he finds himself trying to trying to figure out how to put the envelope back together. And my favorite part about this is he goes up to the art department and uh and talks to uh what's his name? Sal. Sal. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Sal and uh hey, at least you're not getting the names wrong. Thank you. Talks to Sal <laughs> and Sal says, Man, why don't you just well, first of all, I don't have an envelope. Second of all, I'm not gonna fake fix it for you. Third of all, why are you such an idiot? Just throw it in the trash and they'll cut him a new one. It's Which like is that, funny because that, that's like, the exact thing I, I thought. That's oh, really? what I thought. Yeah, I'm like, this is how you, you know, just like burn it. <laughs> right, but don't throw it in the trash here, John, because people look through the trash. Well, but he's already had a fire in his trash can. Oh, so just true. do that again. Throw it in. He's, he's very capable set. of accidentally having another fire, this guy. Dodgies. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. And he made uh, the mistake of running it by his wife, and that didn't go well. That's never going to go well, John. Yeah, he's just kind of a mess. Indeed. And well, and he feels bad. Yeah, it's but, funny because he was trying to get, uh, he was trying to like repair his envelope or something when his, uh, his office partner, mm-hmm. who we meet for the first time, comes in. Big guy. He's a big dude. And he's he kind of in a uh, compromising situation when he comes in the door, and the partner's like, uh, hey, man. Because he was over yeah. at the partner's desk. Yeah. He's like, hey, we're going out for uh, oysters. We're going to the oyster bar, I think he said. Mm-hmm. And you want to come? And he's like, oh, you're staying late. Because he says no. Um, Crane says no. He's like, oh, you're staying late. Things that bad at home already? Yeah. And, and yeah. indeed, they could be. They could be. let's not forget... It got a little. Oh, chill- yeah. It got a little chilly there for a while, John. That's right. That's right. But now, uh, now, uh, now he's expecting, and things are better in that department. Indeed. But then, cut to um, to Don in an empty movie theater watching a French film. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I looked at that a few times. I'm a little lost. Are you lost on this one? Can you help me? I can't. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't know. I don't know French, John. And I'm not that smart. I mean, is this are we are we seeing like how he generates his genius? Is this what he does to get ideas? Let me tell you right now, I wouldn't re- rely on the French for my genius. Just your fries? Just my fries. I don't mind saying that because I don't think we have any French listeners. Thank God. Um, you never know, my friend. We're overseas. <laughs> that we is. Could be, that is just. We a, could be in Europe. That is just a joke to all our French listeners. <laughs> Man, you just lost like. A percent of our listenership. That's we lost. Just lost one. That's all right. French listeners, stop listening. Next, uh, <laughs> next storyline. Uh, we see uh, we see Cosgrove come in with uh, with Roger to Don's office, and we're finding out about what happened. And uh, Cosgrove has no problem blaming Freddie. Oh yeah, he calls him out right away. But here's the thing: it's just as much Cosgrove's fault. What's he doing right. bringing him in there? Well, and so, I mean, and we actually find out that it, it, it ultimately comes up to Don uh, because, you know, as the scene goes on, uh, Ken comes in, Freddie comes in, Roger comes in, Duck comes in, and everybody's all upset and they're all like, Don's going to fix it. And Don actually says, look, if you would have brought them by my office, I never would have let them here. 
uh, Barrett because that's what he does. And and Ken comes right back with, I did. You know, I brought him by. I told your girl. Yeah. And you and you weren't here. And so, you know, one, Don wasn't there. And two, his uh, secretary is incompetent. She is incompetent. Uh, later in the episode, we have one of my favorite scenes of all time, John. Of all time? Really? Of all time! Of all time. Wow. I'm sorry if that was too loud in your headphones, by the way. Oh, sorry. not at all. I, no. I really, I love the enthusiasm. I don't care about you. I'm talking to the listener. Right. And we can omit that French listener. Because now they've stopped. <laughs> well, and actually, that's, that's, that is the next scene. Because, uh, you know, Don said he's going to take care of it. He's going to talk to everybody and he'll figure it out. And then he, he, then he calls Lois in. You're just not good at this. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of stuff that you're good at. Yeah, like, like the switchboard. And she wasn't good at the switchboard either. I, I mean, she wanted off the switchboard real bad, I remember, in the earlier episodes. But he tells her she can't hack it and to go tell Miss Holloway that he's going to need a replacement. Yep, and so that's that's it. I think. Uh, oh, what what? I can't remember the quote, but she's like, uh, "Could you be more specific?" He says, "Do you really want that?" No, no. I, guess I don't. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I gotta say, uh, she's she's wonderful at at that role. I mean, yeah, she no. really comes off as completely an idiot. Um, all who thinks she's, who thinks she's trying hard? She does. Yes, she does. Peggy had to lay down the law on her too, John. I remember, and it apparently it didn't sink in. That's me now. Next, uh, next scene, uh, we see Harry Crane. He's a little nervous. He's thinking about getting a new job. Johnny calls his buddy over at the TV network to say, "Hey, what's going on there?" Yeah, at CBS, uh, Edgar, and you know he's talking about how he's having his own problems, and it was really neat. I saw one of the behind-the-scenes things about this. That the show they talk about, this was a real show, this was a real situation where the, uh, the show called The Defenders, they had this whole episode where they talked about abortion and, and it really was like they focused a lot on how many times you said a word. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, sure. Um, I think they still do that for some things. I, I mean, I remember watching like an SNL special and they were talking about how many times they said a certain word. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so his, his buddy's saying like, yeah, you know, I can't get any sponsors. And and Crane's like, oh, send send the show over, you know. I'll take a look at it. We got lots of people here. I'll I'll find something for it. And this is the beginning of the brilliant career of Harry Crane. Brilliant. We're here on the ground floor, John. Oh, I think he's in the basement. Hey, oh, wow. But so so now we we skip a day. We go. Uh, uh, or no, no, it's the afternoon, right? Yeah, it's the afternoon because now Jones coming um, to to say, hey, sorry about. Uh, Lois, I'll, I'll take over for now while we do a search. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he says, thanks. And he's looking for Jimmy and she tells him when and where to go. And, and they get, they get to work. Then we see the very, uh, television show. Uh, well, we, we see Harry Crane watching the show. Right. And all the abortion stuff. And it's just like, Ooh, Ooh, right. I don't know. But no, so, so he's taking notes. He, he's learning what the show is about and he's, uh, getting an idea of who he's going to go after as far as a sponsor. Now, in the next scene, John, we meet one of my favorite characters of all time. Who's that? Um, Jimmy Barrett's wife. <laughs> Jimmy Barrett's lovely, lovely, kind of scary wife. Yes, Bobby, the, Bobby Barrett, John. Yeah, the wonderful, creepy Bobby Barrett. I don't think she's creepy. She's Seriously? a little creepy. Seriously? She's a little creepy and it's kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. Oh, oh, this is the hot creepy that you were talking about. This is about. the hot creepy that I so often talk about. That's not true. I don't <laughs> talk about it that much. But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, she, really, she really tries to completely brush Don to the side. Oh, yeah. Wants to get an apology from, Bob, from uh, Jimmy. And, uh, you know, and Bobby's in the middle of stealing the tux from, you know, Sterling Cooper because Jimmy likes it. Um, and and she's like, nope. Why don't you know? Why don't these people go outside and buy a thicker skin? Ouch! I know, right? I love her, uh, and that's why Don loves her because she's tough, man. She's tough. Don cannot resist a lady with some power, my friend. I don't know. I don't. I don't really think Don is that into this lady. Um, I think after because I let's think just continue think here. Really, Bobby, okay. uh, Bobby, you know they kind of go back and forth, and uh, she says that Jimmy's over at the Copacabana, 
uh, getting ready for a show he's doing there. And he says, well, I'll drive you over there and we'll talk to him. And she's like, well, all right. So they get, uh, they get out uh, to uh, Don's car. It starts to hail. And then Bobby just lays into him, man. Bobby's taking no prisoners, John. I know. I like it. And I think, honestly, I don't think Don's that into her. He just hasn't really had a dalliance in a while. He's a, like, a, All right. a dalliance? Yeah, an, an affair, a fling. Ooh, we're using we're using bigger words tonight, John. I have the thesaurus right here. You have it open to the D's? Uh, no, the A's. Oh, a, a dalliance? No, my friend, affair. Oh, right. Dalliance. A dalliance thesaurus. is a synonym to affair. <laughs> right. For those of you that haven't listened to his show before, I am an idiot, apparently. Dermot. But yeah, no, I mean, she's very aggressive, and he, he, uh, it's not like he relents. I mean, he becomes the aggressor, but it, it, I don't know. You, you really, you find her creepiness attractive. Am I understanding that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I no, mean, you no, should j- see my face. We should do a, a video podcast so you can see now that I'm embarrassed and red. I mean, no judgment. Weird. No judgment at all. <laughs> uh, so then anyway, uh, Don gets home. And, oh, how uh, great is this, though? No, how great is this? You know what? As, no. as soon as he gets home, he runs to the kitchen sink and literally washes his mouth out with soap. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm uh, guessing that Bobby leaves a bit of a stench behind um, in her wake. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, Betty is, as usual, sitting at the table, not eating anything. Have we ever seen Betty eat? Nope. Not one time? The only time I saw her eat was when she was eating a salad while Don and Roger ate steaks. (laughs) Very good. She does, though, drink a lot of wine and smoke a lot of cigarettes. I like that. That's how she keeps that figure. Hey-o. And riding. Uh, uh-huh. So then, what 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 exchanges here between her and Don? Does this does she give him a watch here? Or what happens? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Because because what happens is, uh, uh, first we find out that Sally's really bummed out that she's not going riding on Saturday, and and Betty, you know, Betty wants to just be alone with the dude, um, but she says, you know, Sally can't go, and then she gives Don the watch, which she had both repaired and monogrammed. Very nice. And, He's touched. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's touched, and then as he sits back, you kind of get that, like, man, I'm an ass. Yeah. Good God, I feel (laughs) awful. (laughs) No, it was great. It was great. It was a good scene. Yeah, he has those kind of, uh, yeah, it's good to see him have those consciences. All right? Anyway. Kind Uh, of. Okay. And uh, so uh, the next scene is um, Betty back at the stables, and she rides up next to... uh, that guy. Yeah, Arthur. Arthur, Arthur Case. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listener. Um, Arthur Case, uh, who can't seem to ride the horse, uh, just lets it eat grass. Betty says, listen, you got to be stern, man. You got to pull up on those reins. You got to tell the show the horse who's boss. And um, Arthur's like, oh, I don't want to hurt him. I don't know, man. I don't. Arthur is not cool. No, he's a no, wet he's blanket, not. John. I think I think that's how that's how I would describe him in a lineup. The wet blanket, the guy who looks like the wet blanket. No, oh, I think it's a I think it's a really interesting uh, dynamic because you have Don, who is now with this incredibly tough, strong woman, and Betty's, who's now with this very meek, feeble tool bag. You know, they kind of gone opposite directions in. They're separate companies. Would Toolbag be the right description? I don't even know if he's, uh, you know, strong enough to be a tool. Okay. He, you know? Okay. A weenie. Yes. Right. Yes. Weenie. Arthur yes. Weenie. Ar- Ar- Arthur Meyer. Ar- Ar- Arthur Meyer? You, yeah. You are hilarious, John. Stop it. I'm going to put now that I'm, in. Now I'm, I'm blushing. Are you embarrassed? I'm going to put that in a bit. blog post. Um, next scene is uh, Don's at home with the kids, obviously, because Betty's out riding with Mr. Wiener. And uh, it, the kids are watching TV, so he goes upstairs. And gives, no, he doesn't go upstairs. He goes in the den. 
Oh, I don't know. I thought that was up, I thought the den was upstairs. I'm sorry, I don't have a floor plan. He goes in the den. I will send you the floor plan. Thank you. And calls uh, calls Bobby. Bear. I got a, I got a name for her. I got a name for her because she's kind of a little older. She's really creepy, uh-huh. right? Uh, so I th- I think um, you know I think she could be appropriately uh, monikered as a Skankosaurus. <laughs> oh my goodness! I didn't see that coming, man. Skankosaurus. Wow. If we don't get a picture out of that, I'll Man, be pissed. Skankos- I think I think I I'm throwing in the towel, man. All right, Skankosaurus. Well, I don't appreciate that because I kind of like Bobby Barrett. Yeah, I know you do. Moving on, uh, she uh, he he gives her a call, and Bobby Barrett thinks this is totally like just a uh, you know a booty, a booty call, call, a booty yeah. call, John, as yes, the kids yes. as the kids say it, a booty call. And um, indeed, it's not actually. Um, he is calling to invite her and Jimmy to dinner to apologize to the shillings. Well, because Don knows where it's at. I mean, he knows he has to get this done, and he's using every everything he can to get it set up the right way. Bobby Barrett has a line in this uh, scene, which is a little uh, off, disturbing, disturbingly <laughs> off-putting, but yet Creepy. not, but yet not off-putting. She says, uh, when she asks him what he's doing, he's at home with his family. He, she's like, I like being bad and then going home and being good, too. Yeah, there's nothing not off-putting about that. <laughs> Every time I think about that, I get kind of a shiver, John. Yeah, in a bad way. I've got a feeling, and, then- and if you look at the scene, she's laying in bed with satin sheets and kind of a feather black gown with... Um, some Irish whiskey on the table next to her. <laughs> Bobby Barrett would literally beat you to death. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm just I mean, saying, that... like, if you made Bobby Barrett mad, she would beat you to death. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's kind of hot. Moving I'm sorry. on. You know, I've had to deal with, what's her name? The lady that ran the store. Mankin. The ra- I've, been, Mankin. I've been getting Mankin'd for the last... Last what feels like good twenty thousand episodes. There was no. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying some Bobby Barrett time. All right, Is that, that's all right with you. I I mean, you'll you'll be doing that on your own. I'm not coming in for that. But uh, go ahead. Next scene is we're at the stables, John, and let you know if things haven't gotten weird enough in this episode. In this recap, um, it's about to get a little weirder. Oh my gosh. Arthur, my friend, turns into a blubbering douche. About I don't know if he turns into one. I mean, he kind of walks in as one. No, but he shows his true colors, John. He opens up his coat and a rainbow of douchery comes out. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> anyway, it's late. Uh, <laughs> Betty's taking the saddle off of her horse and cleaning things up. And Arthur comes in and... Kind of, he's for a while he starts talking about his fiance, and then for a while he tells he tells Betty how horribly sad she looks. And did, says, you, like, did you get the the response to that? What she, what she says when he first says you're sad? No. <laughs> she goes, "You're wrong. My people are Nordic." Oh, oh my God! I forgot about that. I was <laughs> Kate and I were watching this, and when she says, "My people were Nordic," I laughed. <laughs> I laughed for about a solid 20 minutes. Oh, and I man. Said, Far and away, that is my favorite. I can't believe I forgot this. That is my favorite line of the entire series. That is the best line he has written in the entire series. My oh, people are Nordic. And it's, it's, it's delivered, you know, as it would be just part of conversation. Perfect. There's no sarcasm. Nope, no, no sarcasm. It's... Deadpan, my people are Nordic. Look at me. I'm miserable. Um, I want to use that, although I look not, I don't look Nordic whatsoever. No, I I couldn't even pull it off. Uh, no, as clear white as you are. No, you couldn't. Um, I think I will say it though. At some point, Paul, why are you so sad? My people are, I couldn't say it without laughing. (laughs) Oh, it's not that my people are Nordic. I think you could, but how does he really throw down on her? I don't, I don't know how he. Do you remember how he really like is like, 
I just love you. Because it turns into that, right? Yeah. No, I mean, he just, uh, you know, he, he's like, well, what what he says after he says that she's sad is, you know, like, I can't figure out. And she's like, why would you want to do that? And, uh, you know, he says that uh, not only is um, she incredibly uh, beautiful, but that, um, you know, that, that, that he thinks about her and he's like, she, I think, I think he likes that she's kind of mysterious to sure. him. Sure. Sure. I like how he describes his fiance's house as being bigger than his high school. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that can't hurt that bad. That really kind of, uh, that can ring home to a lot of people though, as to like just how extravagantly rich he must be. He must be. No, oh. her, his fiance. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Good for him. I just, I say good for him. He gets to ride around the horse all day when he doesn't have to do anything. No kidding. You know, and, and he, he leans in for like the, uh, he leans in for that kiss with her and she really just kind of, uh, you know, the opposite of Don, you know, she pushes him away. Um, all right, right, right. Well, she's trying to keep it together for our list, for our younger listeners who I'm sure are, there are many. Um, I'd like to take, I'd like you to take a note here. If you, do find yourself a meal ticket in life, such as young Arthur. Don't dangle it over a cliff like this, John. Don't do it. What do you say? Just cash it in? Cash that ticket in and ride it all the way to Fat City. You know what I mean? I like it. You I like, like that? it. Okay. But so, you know, I mean, she walks out of that confrontation physically shaking. She even lights up in the stables after having yelled at him not to. Uh, you know, she's really... She was very uh, tempted to to go that way and decided Wait, not to. See, I don't even know if she would. You think she was really? I mean, I think a conversation like that would make anyone kind of shaky. I would be shaky if Arthur no, came on to me in the stables. I no, would be I shaky. I disagree. I think if you are in a relationship that's solid, which she is not, and that happens, you're simply flattered and you walk away. No, no, no. It can be creepy. Well, I, it, it would be creepy if it was Bobby Barrett. Oh no, that would be better. Oh boy, Jace. Oh, All right, moving but on. So she, you know, so she comes home, and, and um, you know, she comes home and she's shaken up from this. And Don says hi, you know, hey, what do you think about this like super nice restaurant called Lutes? And she's all excited for like a minute. All excited. Uh, because you know she's gonna because that's her thing. She loves to get dressed up and go to nice places. Who and doesn't, she find, John? Who doesn't? Ah, uh, there's some people out there that are more just t-shirts and jeans. I know you love to get dressed. I love to get dressed up and oh, go to nice every places. day, my friend. Every day, there's pretty pusses in a suit. What? Um, what did you just say? Nothing. Don't repeat it. I missed that. I missed that whole thing. Rewind um, if you need to hear it again, folks. And so she, uh, she, she is all bummed out because now it's a work dinner, and she's really just arm candy. Uh, to make the meal go smooth, and she gets bummed out and, and storms off. She's not too happy about it, and Don can't understand why. I'm Which doing I, you a favor. Yeah, I don't know. I, you think it's more like just how things were at the time? You think he really doesn't get it? No, I think most of us are stupid, and we don't get it. I think most guys are like, come on, I'm taking you to dinner. What does it matter? You know? No, it's true. We're all stupid like that, John. Even okay. you. Even you, my friend. I won't deny it. Okay. Next scene, uh, we are in the um, we are in the conference room, and we're showing um, that TV show where they talk about abortion thirty seven times in thirty six minutes. The defenders, uh, the defenders, uh, to the uh, lipstick account. Belle Jolie. Belle Jolie. <laughs> I said that in a bit of a Japanese accent, which was probably wrong. Uh, here we get to see uh, Sal's buddy again, and uh, he's a bit kinder and gentler than we'll see foreshadowing um, with the Lucky Strike guy. Right, right, yeah, that's way down the road. Um, after uh -huh. the after the meeting, he just says hello to Sal, and Sal has a bit of uh, anxiousness and says a oh, good day, and kind of. Walks it, I mean, for people that don't remember, this gentleman from Belgeli. Uh, is also gay and hit on Sal several episodes ago, and Sal kind of pushed him back. Um, but the, I mean, I think the key to this was that people were impressed by Crane, his uh, you know ability to go after the TV episode and to look for sponsors, and he 
he got uh, you know he went after an appropriate sponsor mm-hmm. lipstick uh, women i mean that's what he exactly what he says is women will be watching and that's the audience that they would want it's just there's a you know a moral conflict and it didn't work out no it uh, didn't but everyone was very pleased with his initiative john exactly exactly and that's that's the key right indeed john initiative, initiative? is key all right Write that down, young listeners. So the next scene, we see uh, Crane go into Ronder's office, and uh, he's been—he actually is called in. He doesn't—he doesn't—he doesn't go in there with his manliness and make something happen, does he, John? Oh, this is great. I love this scene. Okay, I just think this is fantastic because you know there's your your classic misunderstanding where Crane thinks he's talking about the check and he's actually talking about the uh, work on the TV. Um, and Crane figures that out before turning himself in, which is nice. Yes, indeed. Um, and he's like, so what do you want? And Crane's like, I should be head of the TV. And Roger just blesses him. You are now the head of the TV department, which is comprised solely of you. I know it. I love it. Uh, and uh, he's like, anything else? And Crane, you know, to Crane's credit, he actually says, I'd like a raise. Well done. And, and didn't he ask, he asked for $200 more a week? Um, where am I getting that number in my head? But anyway, uh, Roger says, well, no one makes that here. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So that's clearly we know what well, we all know in this scene now that because well, yeah, uh, that's what we find does. out. We find out that uh, we find out that he does make 200 and he's like, how much do you make? And Crane goes 200. And Roger immediately fires back with plus drinks. No, that's right. That's hilarious. God, I've decided to change my stance and that Roger is now my favorite character yeah favorite character period favorite character hands down hands down no he he does such a great job with delivery of everything and i've seen interviews with the cast they love working with him i mean it's He's amazing it's fantastic but he you know he does agree to give him a, uh, a 25 dollar raise yeah um and you know crane doesn't really fight for more well i mean what are you gonna do you're lucky to get anything right um, and so he walks out with the raise. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It is funny. Doesn't uh, when Roger give him a drink, he just cannonballs it? Oh yeah, which is hilarious because yeah. he's so nervous. Oh yeah, and, and it's funny because uh, you know he asks for three ten, and Roger goes, "I'll give you two twenty five. Say yes." <laughs> and Crane, Crane says yes, and Roger goes, "You drive a hell of a bargain." <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Roger's great. We anyway, could do, we could do an entire episode, a whole fifty-minute episode of just Roger. Oh man, and, and how awesome it, he is! People would just fall over laughing. It's he's uh, amazing. The best of Roger. The be- the best. Hey, the very best. Right. The very best of. I don't have time to put a show like that together. The next scene, right. we see uh, Don out to dinner. He's got his arm candy, Betty, and he. We are waiting for the Barretts to get there. Betty, yeah. of course, looks lovely. Well, and especially next to, uh, you know, her her colleague, Miss Schilling. I think Miss Schilling has about 20 years on Betty John. So let's give Betty time. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, and, so, uh, so the Barrett's finally walk in. What, what do you think of, like, Bobby's uh, wind-swept look here? Love it. Really? Love it. Love her it. hair is all stuck off to her right. It's, it's, it's awesome. Wild. She's wild. She's, she's a wild lady, my friend. She's a wild lady. But so they get in there and uh, and and uh, Jimmy uh, immediately gravitates right towards Betty. Oh, my God. It's awful. It is like the worst case scenario. He kind of makes a uh, he kind of makes a little crack about um, Edith again. Um, uh, just well, under the radar enough to not cause a problem. Well, he says the little lady. Yeah. 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 And then uh, and then, yeah, he's just all over Betty. All over her. God, I love this actor that plays Jimmy. <laughs> he's awesome. He really is awesome, though. He's great because you hate him. You hate him. Oh, yeah. But he's still kind of funny. I mean, what do you order? Like, when the waiter comes for the menu, the, the, the dinner order, and he's like, look, let's get a drink first, uh, you know, make a, a, a double on the rocks and, you know, quickly while this place is French, still French. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it's kind of funny. And he orders two drinks and then turns to Bobby and says, Bob, you want anything? Oh, yeah. Pretty great. Pretty great. And then just starts talking to Betty. I mean, that, 
Uh, Don knows he's in trouble here. Yes, he I mean, he's not going to be able to uh, build any bridges if uh, Jimmy doesn't turn it around and make a sincere apology to the uh, shillings. So when uh, Bobby stands up to go to the uh, little lady's room, Don is close behind her. Yeah, and they kind of go to the... Uh, they, I'll, do, let, I'll let you just... I'll, go ahead, just take it. It's kind of weird. Okay, so they go into the... Uh, they, they go, I, I think Don barges in on the ladies' lounge. Oh really? Yeah, I mean they're not in the they're not in the bathroom, but they're kind of in the lounge area. It looks like, or maybe they're just in like a, a kind of like you know the area before you go into the bathrooms in a restaurant. You know, sometimes they come as like a little hallway there. Yeah. And uh, he tells her that she better uh, she better get Jimmy to apologize and now, and I believe she starts talking about how she doesn't have to do anything because she reviewed the contract. And even if they fire him, they still have to pay Jimmy out. So they're going to have to just deal with it. And I don't, I don't remember exactly what Don says here. But he, well, no, I mean, she like she, she asks for a, she tries to blackmail him. Yeah, she's like, look, you know, quite a bit of money, and she like she actually asks for twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, it's ridiculous. She drives a hard bargain. That seems kind of ridiculous now. Uh, it, it does. It does seem ridiculous now, uh, and uh, and, he, and especially back then. But then Don does. Uh, he pulls a little move I like to call the Draper, and uh, we don't. We he grabs her by the hair, and pulls her head back, um, and then seems to reach up under her clothes, John, and her, her dress, if you will. Indeed, and then from from there we just have to use our imaginations. But it looks as if he lays some kind of power grip on her that apparently is extremely persuasive. Uh, sometimes you just got to take the bull by the horns, as they say, John. And uh, Don's not afraid to do that. Well, that and the fact that I mean, he, he just comes out and threatens. He's like, you know, I will ruin him. Yep. And, and, and you believe him. Well, I mean, you know, Don's, Don's in the ad agency. I mean... You gotta, you gotta remember. There's bridges to burn there. He probably knows a lot of people at a lot of agencies. I mean, he may not be able to really ruin him, but he may be able to do some damage—a lot more damage than twenty-five thousand dollars worth over the over the long term. So, uh, it's a reasonable threat, I think. But uh, they they go back to the table and they sit down. Uh, this is a little gross. Uh, Don does reach right for his napkin to um, tidy himself up if if. If need be said there. Um, oh, yeah. I had missed that. <laughs> but shortly after, uh, Bobby turns to Jimmy and uh, Jimmy gives the apology. Yeah, because like she said earlier in the episode, he does anything she tells him to. So she just gave him the little verbal cue to go ahead and, you know, he gives a nice polished apology. Because uh, like Roger said, you know, somebody like that has, uh, you know, has to be able to apologize, otherwise he'd be dead. Uh, indeed, uh, my favorite part. <laughs> this is brilliant. Um, when he does apologize, uh, she says, "I know this is." Um, uh, Edith says, "I know this is what you do." I guess I just don't have the stomach for it. <laughs> that he bites his fist. <laughs> he bites his fist. That was pretty funny. That was. That was. It was funny. Um, so yeah, that turns out well for Don. He fixes he fixes the problem, and then we get in the uh, we get in the car with uh, Betty and well, Don right, to right, head home. Right before we get in the car, we we had one last little uh, scene to wrap up the the Harry Crane episode, where he um, he's at home with the wife, and you know she's kind of giving him a nice on the back after she had been a little harsh on him over the phone, you know, because he had shown some initiative. He got in there, he got his raise, and. Um, she's knitting for the baby, so a nice little, nice little scene for the cranes. Okay. Uh, now I was going to ask you. So with this, with this ride home, um, <clears throat> we see uh, Betty just start to cry uncontrollably, and she tells Don it's because you know she's really happy that they can be a team together like this, you know, and it's been he, she, she can be kind of a part of what he does a little bit, and. I don't know. It doesn't really feel like that's why she's crying. It feels like there's something else. There's actually that she's not crying because she's happy. 
you know? No, not at all. I think I think her her breakdown here is simply to completely validate what Arthur said in the stables about how profoundly sad she is. You know, I'd like Betty just to pull it together, to be honest with you. This whole poor me thing, mm-hmm. getting a little old, Betty. Getting a little old for old Paul here. Yeah, but I, mean? I, I think they, they're, they're just sticking with that same theme, that she is a uh, you know, young, attractive woman who envisioned herself traveling the world modeling, and she's stuck in the suburbs with two kids. John, not- John, all I'm saying is I get it. You think they're they're overdoing it? I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm rewatching this for the second time, but I got to say, I get it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know. We all know that, uh, Peggy. I, just so you guys could get a drink, I did it. I'm sorry. Uh, Betty uh, <laughs> is, uh, is, <laughs> is sad. Uh, just, you know, whatever. But, uh, but that's how the episode ends out. Good show. Indeed. Another... Great show. Now, John. Yeah, Paul. Can I ask you something? Please. I'm really excited. Did we get any emails since the last show? I tell you what, my friend, our madman mailbag blew up. <laughs> A what? What That's happened? Right. I wasn't right. paying we attention. Got... What happened? Well, first of all, I just want to let you know that we have continued to expand on international fronts. International our... fronts. We got our first letter from Japan. Oh. Craig from Tokyo wrote in to give us the answer to my question last time, which was, what was the name of that Japanese song, which you didn't even think was Japanese, if you recall. I don't remember that, no. (laughs) Um, And he helped us out. He uh, he actually helped us out a lot. He said the name of the song is Sukiyaki. Uh, It came out in the 60s by somebody named Sakamoto. was redone. In the 80s by a woman calling herself the taste of honey. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then I remember from my high school years was uh, <laughs> the group that is surely waiting on their call for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Probably. 4 p.m. I remember them. <laughs> I had and the greatest did... hits album. It's awful. Wow. Wow. It's awful. They, uh, they did it in 95. So uh, thank you, Craig, for that information. That was uh, great. It was great to hear from him. He even uh, he even wrote back to let us know that since it's because of the time change, he's one of the first ones to get our podcast. Can I say that is true? Uh, I uh, I post the podcast a lot of times at at night after we record it, which can sometimes be pretty late, and then I post it. And Craig here had this email to me by the time I woke up. Craig, I was, was I was astounded. And it was I th- amazing. I thank you for making my day. Thank you. Now we got uh, we got another another person that also wanted to help us out with the name of the the name of the song Jack. Uh, he also uh, I know Jack. I know yeah, Jack. Jack. Jack's a, a friend of the show. He's a he's a great friend of the show. He's the only one with enough guts to call and leave a message. And like I said, I put it on my iPhone. I listen to it every day. Is that weird? Anyways, he says that uh, uh, you know not only did he give us the name of the song and some information. Uh, what was kind of cool, or maybe sad, but he he sent us a website where somebody has found out every song played in and linked it uh, uh, chronologically by show. Okay, you're breaking up there, so I'll fill it in for you. Apparently, yeah, they've they've listed every song that's been on every episode, and they've linked it chronologically by show, um, which is really cool. Uh, one thing I will say is they haven't linked it to iTunes to let me download it seamlessly, but I guess, you know, we're not perfect. Uh, but it's pretty amazing, and we'll post the site um, in, this next, uh, in this next post for this show. And so he also linked to a, a little stream that was on the Mad Men website where they were talking about this specific show, uh, show and song. Mm-hmm. And I, this is this, – just give me a second here. This is ridiculous. Um, there were people that were on this website that were writing out that they were so disappointed with the show because Sukiyaki was not released in the U.S. until 1963 and the show was set in 1962. Let me just say Uh-oh. that if you're watching that episode and that song comes on and your whole sense of the show is crushed because you are hearing a song that was released a year after the show was set, you're the only one. 
It was just uh, ridiculous. Oh, I can see you're a little upset, John. Could you prescribe any uh, maybe antidepressant uh, medication for such a uh, such a person? Not 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 for myself. Not you personally. You wouldn't prescribe anything. No. Okay. Can I prescribe something? Go ahead. Rogaine. Nice. Moving on. Um, and then last, lastly, Jack just wants to let us know that uh, maybe we can tweak our, our Facebook. Because when, uh, when he went to search for Mad Men on Facebook, we did not come up. That can't and, be. And so, uh, anyways, we're, we're going to work with the IT department, and we'll get that figured out. Well, I'm the IT department. I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> I'll start asking around, though. All right. All right. Um, uh, our next, our next, our next one is is really beyond words. This is uh, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. This is worth far more than that. Our friend Lexi. Oh my God, uh, Lexi! I'm serious. Uh, Bo- Lexi, Paul, and I both uh, both talked, and and we have yet to laugh at anything this hard. And we look forward to sharing your artwork with the whole listening crew. Um, Lexi. Uh, went ahead and gave us a little piece of artwork that you'll be able to see on the website. Um, she, I don't, go, do you want to describe I it? I would or love just to describe it. In it. the last show that we did, um, when we were talking about uh, Kinsey's uh, little party, and he had the little, uh, he had the little uh, handkerchief tied around his neck. Neckerchief. Neckerchief, that's right. The neckerchief tied around his neck. Um, we said that it looked like, John, that he was uh, posing for the cover of Douche Magazine. And um, Lexi did a tremendous job of taking that and running with it and did, a, did up a cover of Paul Kinsey on Douche Magazine. Um, he certainly did look smashing on the cover, though, didn't he, John? He, he looked douchey. Indeed. Uh, and some of the headlines that were in that uh, issue of Douche Magazine were absolutely hilarious and we'll make sure... And post it nice and big on the site so you can all see it. So please, please check that out. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. It is fantastic. Uh, a couple more to get to. Muzz, our buddy from Sydney, Australia, wrote back in, saying, <laughs> just giving us a great story. He was saying that he was listening to our last podcast. And Paul, when you mentioned having a drinking game because of all the times you mess up Peggy and Betty, <laughs> yeah, he he almost lost it in a crowded elevator full of strangers. Uh, we're, bringing, we're bringing joy to the world, my friend. We are. If we can just have one person crack up in an elevator, John, all of this is worth it. It's worth it. Uh, we, got, uh, we got Beverly. Now, Beverly has even further supported this, the, the thought that I, in fact, sound like John Hamm. Oh, my God. You mean this isn't John Hamm I'm talking with right now? Maybe it is. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That was so creepy. Um, maybe it's not. How about like, that? Like Bobby could, Bear could someone at least write in and say I sound like Roger Sterling, even though I don't? No. Okay. Just anybody. Anyone. Right. Literally anyone. Mom. Anyone. <laughs> and then la- uh, last one. Last one. Uh, we'll we'll do a little spoiler alert for anybody that might not have seen future shows. Uh, if you if you haven't seen further than this episode, maybe flip off for now. Uh, Libby writes in, and she called us out on something, uh, and I think we're both right. She called us out because last uh, last episode we were saying how Peggy was looking at her baby being taken care of by her sister. You remember that? I remember. Oh, John, I remember. Okay, so and and, and I even listened to the commentary on this, and at this point. Even um, even Matt Weiner says he he wants the audience to think that way, um, but it is revealed at the end of season two that that in, in fact is not the case. That the little baby in the room is in fact her sister's child, and that uh, Peggy did give up her child for adoption. Are you kidding me? So, I'm not kidding you. Last time we talked about this, John, you were on my side. Well, I don't I care. I'm going to hold my ground, Libby. I'm talking just to you now. I guess you're right. <laughs> Very nice. I'm glad you can concede the points so incredibly of easily. Of course I can. Uh, well, wait till I tell Kate about this. She's going to be upset. Uh, or, or not care at all. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, that is it. We appreciate everybody that writes in and we try and make sure we get everybody uh, mentioned on the air that takes the time to do so. Uh, I mean, I think that was a great episode. It was a, a full episode. And... Um, 
We do love the emails. It is uh, without a doubt our favorite part. Um, the voicemails are better, but apparently we, um, everyone that listens to the show doesn't have a tongue. Um, so I apologize for asking you to call in so much. If we do have a listener that has a tongue, uh, please call in. You can go to the madmen, well, it's just madmenrecap.com and click on the little Google voice. It's easy to set up and you can just call in and tell us what you think, what you're feeling. Uh, we would appreciate it. And we also want to thank everybody for following us on Twitter. It's amazing. We're getting new followers every day. People love, people love us on Twitter and we don't even Twitter that much, John. Uh, and I think why they love us. And also, if you well, follow we Twitter, us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. John, um, I was just, I was on vacation this last week, and I was talking with one of our listeners who happens to be a good friend of mine. And she was saying that we should also put our art up on our Facebook fan page. So you can go there and look at all the art at one time. And I think that's a great idea. And we that will be doing idea. that as soon as I get around to it. And we know how long it takes me to get around to things. Four days. At least. Um, and then... The, uh, oh, brain fart. That's all right, John, because it's a good time to have one, because we're at the end of the show, John. We, we are at the end of the show. And um, I like to wrap things up. Uh, oh, oh, that's what I was, I'm sorry about that brain fart. The last thing I wanted to announce, I just saw on Facebook from our friend uh, Sterling Cooper Draper Price that the season four debut has been announced. It's in July, right? No, no, the date. The date has been announced. Okay. So we, we, we always kind of knew and assumed that, yes, it was going to be, you know, in uh, late July, maybe August, uh, early, yeah, August, yeah. early August. So the uh, debut, the first show of Mad Men season four is going to be July 25th, the last Sunday of July. We got um, some work to do, pal. We do. We do. I think we're doing well, though. Okay. All right. Uh, look As forward to the always, next one. As always, it was good talking to you. Good time, good time. We'll, we'll do this again. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, bye.